Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science who are here to help you get accepted into PA school, get through PA school, and then have a thriving career as a PA. So if you are a pre-PA, a PA student, or a physician assistant, then you are in the right place. We are so happy you are here and so excited for your future. Before we get started, here's a few housekeeping items. First, we want to tell you about something we are doing that we know is going to be so incredibly valuable to you. We have an application to acceptance course that shows you exactly how to create your most competitive application, and it's a game changer for helping you get into PA school. But here's what we are doing. When you sign up for our application to acceptance course, we are going to go through every single piece with you every week. So not only do you get the course, but you get us every week to help you personally create your strongest CASPA application. We help you get your personal statement done and make sure it's epic, help create your strongest CASPA experience descriptions and everything in between so that you are ready to submit when CASPA opens and not just submit, but submit with confidence in your most competitive application so you can land interviews. Let's get you into PA school. Sign up in the show notes. Now on to today's episode. Mira, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast today. Tonight. It's so nice to meet you, and it's such an honor to have you as a guest. To get started, tell us a little bit about your background, how you chose the PA career, and where you are now. Sure. So I started learning about the PA profession when I was in college, actually. I think I went to college. Not too sure what I wanted to do. I had something along the lines of, obviously, healthcare, um, medical school, occupational therapy was definitely something that crossed my mind, actually. And so I did volunteer EMS. I went to Fordham University in the Bronx. I'm a New Yorker. And as a psych major, disability studies, bioethics minors. And once I got into doing volunteer EMS work in underserved communities in the Bronx, I learned more about the PA profession because some of the girls on my EMS squad were actually applying to PA school. And I was like, what you doing in the EMS office? And so I kind of like picked their brains a little bit, but never thought anything of it at the time. And it just eventually, like, made me realize what I wanted to do. And then later on, during COVID, I know a lot of people struggled with finding shadowing. And I think it's awesome that your virtual shadowing events are, like, being well-promoted. And I've shared them on my page, so please check them out. <laughs> and there's so many other great virtual shadowings, too. And the unfortunate thing is that a lot of the schools were applying in-person shadowing that I was applying to. So I uh, networked and found an MDA shadow and got my foot in the door doing that. And then I... Ended up also shadowing APA. I got 180 hours at the MD, 120 with the PA, and I've also worked as a home copy. And then my EMT background is just I don't drive. It's been largely non-traditional. I worked at a summer camp EMT, a sleepaway camp. And then I worked in the film industry. I just finished doing a shoot with, for a Netflix movie that I can't say yet, but it's coming out next year, so that'll be exciting. But I've done things like Blue's Clues and. I worked at like Madison Square Garden, which is like a big concert hall, like Billy Joel and the Jonas Brothers. Like it was more just like a way to like have fun. I feel like that's the biggest thing I tell pre PAs like have fun with your patient care hours. Like of course you can be a medical assistant at a primary care office and that can be fun, but like you don't have to just do that. You can be unique and still have fun and still be professional and like I just have a lot of interest outside of work. Like I just love like concerts. I love like Broadway and like I used to be a dancer, so like you're like a New Yorker through and through.
to where you are now. Can you tell a little bit about that with our listeners? Yeah, okay, so like the neurodiversity movement become like a big thing on Netflix, like Instagram, like TikTok too. And this is something I learned about through my disability studies minor. So basically the term neurodiverse refers to things made up in natural normal human variant rather than seeing things through like a lens of more of like a negative one. So seeing like for example autistic individuals have a neurological difference, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. And it also goes against the terms of like differently abled or handicapped, like disabled is not a bad word. There's nothing wrong with that. And it also emphasizes like identity first language. So oh like depending on the person, just like LGBTQ plus individuals might have different ways. It's always better to ask people's pronouns, you know, that's a great thing to do. Um similar with like people in the disabled community. So like, most autistic people that I met, they prefer to be called an autistic individual rather than somebody with autism because you should be assuming that they're person that they're just a person just like you and I. I'm not autistic, but just from my autistic friends is what I've learned, but always good to ask the individual person. So yeah. What tips do you have for like pre-PAs or PA students that have something like that? Like what resources are available to them? I was going to college knowing too much about this. I was in special education as a young child. I also had like speech therapy and a lot of other things, but I never really knew what quote unquote what, what was wrong with me. So like one thing that I did, and I know it's like really hard, not almost campus is how services offices but legally they do have to have them so sometimes if you come to college without accommodations then you feel like you might benefit from them you're not sure what you have i'd always recommend students to reach out to their uh, respective schools also disability services so even if you don't have a diagnosis say of, i don't know dyslexia or something they're trying they'll always try to like help set you up with some accommodations and sometimes they'll even do like some free testing they'll have like psychologists on staff and like even with that, you can get like some free study skills coaching, like that's helpful. And like, unfortunately, university psychological services don't tend to be that great, or at least that's what I've heard. I've had to like look outside of school, and that's like a privilege in and of itself, but I definitely recommend like therapy to everyone. <laughs> and things like OT as well, so yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important the fact that you brought out, you know, that most actual schools are required to have a disability services. And so this is even true in PA school. So if you have something like dyslexia, if you have something like ADHD or something that requires you to have certain accommodations, as a student, you can go through this even in PA school. Now you do have to meet technical standards and you have to be able to do certain things in order to be a PA. For example, you have to be able to see, you have to be able to listen, you have to be able to stand through a certain rotation, etc. But there are these accommodations made through the disability office. And so these are also made in PA school. And the accommodations differ depending on diagnosis. And those require medical documentation. But thank you for bringing that up for our listeners who are maybe a little bit worried, like, hey, I have this disability and accommodations in undergrad, and I'm going to be able to take this to grad school. And again, every school has a different sort of what they consider and then what they actually give for those accommodations. But that is true. They do have that in PA school as well. So if you've dealt with that in undergrad, just make sure that when you get accepted to PA school, you ask about what resources you get in touch with the disability office. So that's, that's really great advice. Do you find when you were applying to PA school that having a disability or having these issues, did you feel like it was made their process harder for you or how do you think it impacted your path to the PA field? Yeah, sorry, just to 
backtrack to what you were saying about making sure that like you can access those in PA school. Like, thank you so much for noting that. But just to piggyback off of that, I would also, as unfortunate as it is, you might not feel like you need those accommodations in undergrad, even if you qualify for them. Unfortunately, you really, from what I've been hearing, you have to show consistent usage of those in order to be able to obtain them in PA school. So, for example, if an individual has dyslexia and got time and a half on exams, if they're not consistently using that in undergrad, not 100% of tests, but I would say like at least 75 and up. And I'm no expert, so don't quote me on this. But unfortunately, if you don't feel consistent usage of those, when you go to apply for your accommodations, even if you still have that doctor's letter in peace, whatever the question you're going to say, but look, Johnny or whoever you are, like you got your undergrad without that. So why do you need this now? And I'll be honest, I sort of uh, ran into that pickle when I was taking my GRE because I understand that a lot of people use the system unfairly and it's, I understand that that's an ethical issue, but it ruins it for the people who truly need those accommodations. I ran into that with the GRE, that they were denying my accommodations request, and in fact, even though I had consistently used the accommodations, they required so much paperwork, I ended up having to like reschedule my GRE, and they wouldn't pay the rescheduling fee, so I had to just like, pay like $100 to be able to take my GRE's accommodations, which... Go off the bat, please use them consistently, like advocate, advocate, advocate for yourself. And it's hard. Like, also, like, there's other things that you can get covered, like OT, but like getting those prior ops. But I feel like going to that from the patient's side is something that's like really informed me of how I want to do that. Yeah, and I also want to point out the fact that when you become a PA, you are going to have such a, just a cool niche just with your background and the ability you have to resonate with patients that other providers may not have. And so that's very, very cool. And it's really cool what you're doing. You know, we've gone through your social media and it's just, it's awesome that you're advocating for. Thank you. I was like so inspired by you guys. There's also a really great PA I want to shout out. She's a PA student, the Petite PAS. Uh, she has post orthopedic tachycardia syndrome. I'm sorry for blocking that. And she talks about using her like physical accommodations in PA school, which is really great. And then there's also the seated nurse, Nurse Andrea. She's the only wheelchair, full-time wheelchair using nurse in New York State who actually practices in a hospital. And she wasn't even able to get a nursing job in the hospital, but she graduated the top of her class until COVID came around. And they came on the floor and they were like, what are you doing here? And she said, speak to HR. They cleared me on here to work. And she like learned how to do CPR by like kickboxing. So she, you know, she doesn't have use of her legs. So she's doing that all with her hands, which is super cool. That's amazing. That really is amazing. And I think it's really important because our patient population is so diverse, right? And they have different backgrounds and they have different experiences. They're going to have different, you know, physical, mental issues. They're going to have, you know, just different language barriers, everything. But I think it's really important that our healthcare workers are diverse as well. Uh, because one, because you can empathize, and two, you can kind of connect and make that rapport with patients if you have something like that in common. So I just really applaud um, you here and everybody else who's kind of Instagram or any other social media platforms? Sure, so I 
eventually do want to write down to TikTok too, but I've started one thing at a time because once I get hyper-focused on something, I will just not get anything done, so I have to like stay with one thing at a time. So my Instagram handle is at the neurodivergent, N-E-U-R-O-D-I-V-E-R-G-E-N-T, it's the period neurodivergent period pre-PA. And I have my LinkedIn, which is my first and last name. I'm pretty active on there. And I always tell PAs who are struggling to shadow. And I've also uh, linked like a networking and shadow template on my page. And they're happy to connect with me on LinkedIn. I have like 600 PAs that I'm connected with on LinkedIn. And then that way they can connect with those as well. Excellent. Well, that's exciting. And we just wish you well on the rest of your PA journey. And do you have any... Final tips for anybody who might be applying, who might be a reapplicant, who maybe has a disability that they're worried about, or any tips for kind of PPAs that are in the position you were last year? Yeah, I don't know. Wow, I feel like everything's gone by so fast. I feel so blessed. I would say a big thing for me was getting those letters of rec in early and asking people early, and that can also be really challenging. So I'm planning to eventually release some templates, maybe on like an, S- an Etsy or something, um, templates that I use to ask letter writers for letters, and also helping to guide your letter writers. You never want to write your own letters, of course, but with that being said, New Yorkers are busy, so giving them some bullet points or, you know, asking, you know, I'm happy to write my resume and transcripts, but if you would like some bullet points or to schedule a meeting over coffee to discuss that, that can be really helpful because they're already doing a big favor in writing that letter. The doctor that wrote one of my letters, he worked six days a week, 12 hours a day. So I wanted to make it as easy as possible for him. And that's a big thing. The other big thing, like you were saying, was how to address these things in a personal statement. Like I know you've talked about addressing weaknesses in your application to acceptance course, which is great. But it's hard to navigate because sometimes things are so personal that you draw the line between like, yes, it's a personal statement, it should be personal. But it's also about having respect for yourself and having boundaries. And if there's things that you're not necessarily comfortable with sharing, you can kind of make it sound a little gray and they can kind of fill in the blanks is what I've been told and so like you can briefly acknowledge oh I got diagnosed with a disability whatever and I uh, used some accommodations to improve my GPA or whatever but if anybody has any questions I've gotten that question a lot on interviews because I do have a lot of W's and C's and I'm also 22 so being a fairly young applicant is what I've been told that I am <laughs> and so there's a lot of concern that people express even at the program that I was accepted to that asked me to explain that and I would say explain it openly and honestly but you don't have to go too depth into detail if it's something that's triggering for you because you should also have respect for yourself yeah and that's a really important thing to note that during interviews and things like that whether it's a job interview or a school interview there are certain things that we are not allowed to ask Right? So we're not allowed to ask you about your sexual orientation. We're not allowed to ask you if you're married or have kids. We're not allowed to ask you, you know, if you have any kind of PTSD or any kind of diagnosis like that. But if you bring it up yourself, then we're allowed to ask you about it. So if you bring up a topic, we can ask questions on that. So if it's something that's very private to you that you do not want to talk about, and it's under these things that we're not allowed to ask about, then we can't ask about it. And so just don't bring it up. If it's something that you don't want to share with the admissions committee, so thank you for um, mentioning that because there are certain things that, whether you're applying for a job or school, etc., that we are not allowed to ask you legally. Yeah, exactly. But I would also say if you do feel comfortable sharing, that can also be great too. So like 
I mentioned, like, they asked me what study strategies, and I said, oh, like, these are certain study, study strategies that work with my ADHD, because I was really open and honest about it, but, like, if you have that and some other diagnosis, you don't have to share both. You can just share what you're comfortable with. Yes, love that. And this is such great advice. And, and there's so many, so many people out there who are really going to benefit from this episode um, because it's not, you know, it's not talked about much, at least not, it's not given the platform that it should have as common as it is. So this is, it's going to be an excellent episode. And thank you for being so open and for sharing just your personal story because it is touching. And I know that it's really going to touch a lot of other listeners out there. So one final question that we ask everybody who are you when the white coat or the future white coat comes off? I would say, like, my number one, like, favorite activity outside of work is Taekwondo. I've actually done Taekwondo for 12 years. I'm a black belt. Currently training for my second degree black belt, actually. I practice outside. I literally have, like, practice in, like, the rain. And I, you know, sometimes I practice on, like, ice. It's dangerous, but it's fun. And it also has, like, really helped me, like, channel my energy and, like, focus better so that's also something that I talk about in interviews and I feel like don't be afraid to like talk about your well-roundedness on interviews I love taekwondo I love smashing boards and like getting all my frustrations out but in a healthy way that is cool that's amazing well Mira thank you so much for your time tonight for being on our episode listeners go give her a follow give her a shout out give her some love and her social media and we'll put all of those links in the show notes And thank you so much again. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are so happy to connect with you and share our passion of the PA profession. Don't forget to go to the show notes and join our super fun Pacers membership so you can start making your CASPA application more competitive today with virtual shadowing hours, coaching sessions with us, and so much more. Also in the show notes, we have a free download, an Excel PA school record keeper that mimics CASPA format, meaning you keep all of your shadowing hours, patient care experiences, volunteer information, awards you have received, leadership roles, and the loads of other information you need to apply to PA school in one place. So you can copy paste into CASPA when you go to apply. Get it in the show notes. Have a great day and we will see you at the next episode. Keep up the awesome work.